0: Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach.
1: And I'm Seth.
0: And we're the Classic Gaming Brothers.
1: That's right. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We are. That's right. That's right. That's right.
0: Right. Seth, it's episode 120. Woo! Woo! Woo!
1: That's a great number.
0: Yeah, I like like nice milestones like this. I mean, because at this point, they're all numbers. <laughs> like it's it's not gonna be as exciting as two hundred, and one twenty isn't as exciting as one hundred. But we're still going. We're still going strong.
1: That's right. I, I mean to be fair, they're always numbers. Even episode one was a number.
0: That's true. I mean that that is that is how things work.
1: Anyway, so Zach, what have you uh what have you been playing? recently
0: well seth recently i have been playing warcraft 3 reign of chaos which is a 2002 real time strategy game developed by blizzard entertainment and many episodes ago i was playing warcraft 3 reforged which is the like remastered version of warcraft 3 and i'll put remastered in quotes because it's arguably a worse version of warcraft 3 which is a great game
1: so how have you how have you been playing reign of chaos
0: i have been playing via an original cd copy of Reign of chaos that i bought at a savers for two dollars oh fun and it came with frozen throne and a copy of majesty too because someone put that in the case by accident
1: that's awesome
0: yeah so i got essentially three games for the price of one by accident have
1: you been playing it on the pcem
0: no i've been playing it on my my windows 10 machine because it runs perfectly
1: what about majesty 2
0: oh i don't i don't know about majesty 2 i haven't tried putting that in yet but warcraft runs perfectly the one problem with warcraft is that there is some issues with the aspect ratio but i think i could probably find like a mod that just fixes that for me like it doesn't do full resolution
1: oh yeah there's probably a widescreen hack yeah
0: it's fun that you mentioned pcem so so for those who don't know, what Seth is referencing is actually a, a PC emulator that he introduced me to um, which is a great little tool if you want to get older computer games running. Basically, it's a bit of a process you essentially have to build a classic computer virtually and then you can actually install them as you would onto a virtual hard drive so um, I do have one that runs Windows 98 and I have been running a couple of programs from that, but nothing that I haven't talked about before I'm mostly Doom and Chex Quest.
1: I, I have a, a 98 version that I've been running uh, a Midtown Madness version on.
0: My Midtown Madness didn't work properly. I think I need to yeah, figure
1: it. Or you need a better computer. So PCem, it's not emulating Windows. It's emulating the actual hardware of an old computer. So your computer is emulating a different CPU and is also emulating like a CPU, a GPU, all the aspects of a computer Your computer is faking it, essentially. And uh, it does take... A bit of uh, effort for a computer to pretend to be another computer. Even like powerful systems have difficulty pretending to be low level systems. So like I I have a pretty high end computer and I can mimic a uh, 166 megahertz CPU pretty easily. My wife has a Surface that has some difficulty uh, emulating a 166 megahertz CPU, even though her surface is, you know, running Windows 11. Uh, it's an interesting piece of software. Uh, a lot of the higher-end systems on the software is really future-proofing for future computers that are going to be faster to be able to emulate even faster, slower computers. It's it's cool. It's the only way that I've like figured out where I can play a game that I own, that is like a Windows 95 to 98 era game without having compatibility issues. There's like a sweet spot of games that are post-DOS and pre like Windows Vista even, where sometimes you have difficulty getting the game to run. Even like DOS games, there's like DOSBox, which is a a DOS emulator, which works great. You can use the DOSBox to install Windows 95. That is very, very unstable and and doesn't always work and is a pain in the butt to do. PCEM makes installing Windows 95, Windows 98 easy and accessible. You do need a copy of Windows 95 or Windows 98, whichever you're installing, but those are not too difficult to come by since it's really dead software there are people that still make updates for the old graphics and like if you need drivers there are people who are out there that make free driver updates for windows 98 drivers because your fake graphics card will need actual drivers which is unique
0: yeah i I'd actually that was probably the longest process of the setup was i ran a patcher that came recommended by the uh by a youtuber and that probably took me about 20 to 30 minutes but separate from pcem warcraft the rear end of chaos, does work fine on windows 10 and actually doing a little bit of research apparently blizzard actually did put out a patch for Warcraft Three, not Reforged, original Warcraft Three, to get it to natively run in sixteen by nine. So, oh, fun. Um, you can download that from there. I think you can actually just get it through Battle.net if you plug in the CD keys. But I've seen people have separate installers available, so gonna look into that a bit more. Fun. But anyway, Seth, what about you? What have you been playing?
1: Uh, so recently, I picked up a game called Fox and Forests. So Fox and Forest is a 16-bit style action platformer that has different RPG elements in regards to like buying equipment and getting additional powers and kind of leveling up your character without actually having like a level associated with it. The interesting mechanic that I really liked about it is uh, you're able to control the season. So the game takes place, you play a fox and you're in a forest and Your fox is kind of like a mercenary, and he's going to help out the forests with their problem, but only for money, which will lead him to have food. Essentially, the story starts off, he meets a partridge, the bird.
0: Is it in a pear tree?
1: It's not. It's on a stump. But uh, he meets this partridge, and he says, hey, Mr. Partridge, I'm going to eat you. And the partridge says, I taste nasty, but if you help us with our problem, you can get lots of money and then you can get some food. And the fox is like, great and so then the fox meets an old tree kind of like the Deku tree who's having issues with these monsters and uh, you're like okay yeah as long as I get paid I'll I'll go fix this problem and then you go out and adventure and it has a like a home based section where you can go in and there's like three different shops where you can buy and upgrade things and then you can adventure out into the game as a whole and it's kind of like Mario where you can go to like from world to world within this like forest on a path like class Mario world, you follow like a little path and you can go to different like you zoom into those different worlds and you have like an overworld, you can then also revisit these other worlds because you can gain more powers as you progress, and you can unlock different areas of the levels that you've been into. To collect more hidden objects throughout the game, it's got kind of like owlboy graphics, and uh, you kind of go in an adventure and jump around and shoot things. Uh, you get a crossbow that you can only use while standing still, which gets kind of be annoying. And then you have a sword that you can stab up, you can twirl with it, or you stab downwards. I have found that I like shooting things the most, but I don't, I like, I would rather be able to shoot things while I move versus shooting things while staying still. But it would probably make it the game a little more more easier so I guess it's there for difficulty's sake and perhaps you can unlock the ability to shoot while moving. But I, I learned about Fox and Forests by watching Snestrunk. Drunk. I watch a lot of the YouTuber Snestrunk Drunk a lot and he recommended it as a game that people who like SNES kind of classical games, these are like modern games that uh, people might like. It came out May 17th of 2018 and was uh, developed by Bonus Level Entertainment.
0: Well, today we're talking about uh, a game that is kind of a follow-up to a game we previously talked about. It was actually a few episodes ago we talked about a Mario RPG game. Today we're talking about another Mario RPG game, and that is Paper Mario. Seth, do you have any memories of Paper Mario?
1: Yeah, so I remember when Paper Mario came out, and I vaguely remember my friend's who had the N64 and eventually got a GameCube? They had Paper Mario. But we never played Paper Mario when I was over because it was a single player game. But I saw it being played. I think their brother was really liked it and would always be playing it when we were going to go play on the N64, and so he had to save his game. I was always intrigued by it because it was Mario looking like a piece of paper, which was different than previously seeing Mario, which would be Mario 64, where he is not flat like paper. So he exists as regular Mario and flat Mario, all on the same system. So for me, it was curious. And it was a different layout. I wasn't familiar with Mario. RPG Super Mario RPG from the SNES. So it was uh, a a unique experience for me seeing Paper Mario.
0: So we did own an N64, though. I think it was when you were in high school, maybe toward the end of your time in high school. And...
1: Did we have Paper Mario?
0: We didn't own Paper Mario, but we did rent Paper Mario. Oh, okay. Uh, I remember we rented it a couple times. And I remember the one we rented, I think we rented it once and it still had one of our save files on it because we rented it from the same place. But mm. then we rented a different copy from a different place. It did not have the save file.
1: It didn't save on the the save cartridge?
0: Uh, no, Paper Mario, I think, actually saves to a battery backup. I
1: don't remember renting it. I remember my friend's brother playing it.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, I I remember we rented it at one point. I think from so there was a couple of video stores in our town. There was a Hollywood Video, and there was a local family-owned video store that was next to a Mexican restaurant. I remember renting it though from the family-owned video store because I remember that's also where we got a copy, like purchased a copy of Sonic Three when they were liquidating their Sega stock.
1: Yeah, there was Family Video, Hollywood Video, and Funko Land.
0: Right, you didn't rent stuff for Funko Land; that was a purchase.
1: That's true, but they were friends with hollywood video or a no hollywood video?
0: video had a thing with game zone which was associated oh, game with zone. eb you games. could rent
1: you could rent things from game zone yes which was connected to the hollywood videos and then there was funko land somewhere else
0: yeah funko land was over by the borders hmm. i think it was in that plaza across the street because it became a game stop which makes sense because funko land oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. is
0: Essentially, GameStop, they're the same company.
1: Remember Software, etc.?
0: I do remember. I loved Software, (laughs) etc. Anyway, (laughs) so we did rent Paper Mario at some point, even if Seth doesn't remember. But yeah, we're going to talk a bit about this great game.
1: Yeah, so back in episode 117, so far away, we talked about Super Mario RPG, and not only that it was a good game, but it was a fairly successful game for Nintendo. It combined the elements of everyone's favorite Italian plumber, Mario, with the RPG gameplay you would anticipate from a game by which made sense because ultimately the game was made by Square and audited by Nintendo. Now, development of Paper Mario actually began fairly soon after Super Mario RPG. Nintendo wanted to develop a follow-up and reached out to Square to ask them if they could develop the game. And it would be on the N64 because Super Mario RPG, if you recall, was one of the later releases on the SNES. And after the SNES comes Nintendo 64. So this would be them coming out and being like, hey, that game sold really well. Let's make one on the new system, the N64. However, uh, Square was a bit busy with their project of their own, Final Fantasy VII. So Nintendo, unable to get Square, turned to a developer called Intelligent Systems to design the game with Shigeru Miyamoto serving as the producer and consultant. Now, Intelligent Systems had previously worked with Nintendo on a lot of different projects, and they were actually headquartered at the Nintendo Kyoto Research Center at the time. Nintendo often turned to Intelligent Systems to create development hardware for developers to use. And Intelligent System originally got their start back in 1983, when Nintendo tasked them to port Famicom Disk System games to standard ROM cartridges for their release outside of Japan. This included games like Mario Bros, Tennis, Duck Hunt, Ga- gyromite, all which would end up on the NES, hence coming from the Famicom over to a ROM cartridge going onto the NES. So Intelligent System was their porter as it were. They also worked on some tactical RPG titles, such as Famicom Wars and Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of
0: Light. They actually would go on to make, of course, Advanced Wars, which some people might be a bit more familiar with than Famicom Wars. Famicom Wars was the first one. Now, likely due to the fact that Square was not connected to this project, it was ultimately decided that they were going to separate the game from Super Mario RPG, at least in the terms of the story and the aesthetics. Also, in terms of characters, they're going to have a whole new Cast of characters beyond the like Mario characters. The developers ended up taking a year and a half to experiment with new ideas to come up with something that would work. Uh, this included this included recycling ideas from Super Mario RPG, such as using pre-rendered 3D graphics, but they eventually decided for something a little different. Production began on Silicon Graphics workstations. Uh, for those unfamiliar, Silicon Graphics was a computer company that developed these powerhouse-like design workstations that were used for pretty much all first-party N64 titles. However, the final game's graphics for Paper Mario were actually done with internal Super Famicom tools, which I find interesting, that they essentially made the graphics for an N64 title using Super Famicom equipment. The game was inspired graphically by the PlayStation game Parappa the Rappa, which is a rhythm game that uses paper cutout-like characters in a 3D world. There was also inspiration drawn from classic cartoons, such as Disney.
1: I remember Parappa the Rappa,
0: Uh, The story itself was crafted to be less like a standard RPG. So where Super Mario RPG is a bit different is in the sense that it's a bit more grander in terms of the overall design and the overall story. This was going to be arguably a bit more grounded to be appealing to all players. They also opted for a more lighthearted approach to storytelling. And you can see this with a lot of visual gags that are thrown in throughout the game. A lot of the humor is derived from the fact that Mario doesn't talk, so he does his Mario thing where he like will mime stuff to tell a story. Which didn't he
1: also do in Super Mario RPG because he doesn't talk in Super Mario RPG. That's right.
0: Yeah, he does does that in Super Mario RPG as well. Uh, That's like a reoccurring thing where before Mario was given a voice, he never talked. Even now he doesn't talk. Like even though Charles Martinet is the voice of Mario, he doesn't like have conversations with people.
1: He just says it to me. Now, a good chunk of the game's time in production was dedicated to the development of the battle system. As the game was being marketed toward, a younger audience than most RPG fans, they wanted the game to feel balanced, but also not boring. They did this by implementing action commands, which could be activated with careful button presses. This was something also used in Super Mario RPG, so if you attacked and you pushed the button at the right time, you could have a stronger attack or a weaker attack. The game also incorporated items called badges, which are used to simulate the traditional RPG way of leveling up, while excluding the stats often associated with this i think nintendo wanted an rpg but they didn't want the sea of stats that are sometimes go hand in hand with especially jrpgs yeah where you have a character with 400 stats and you're not exactly sure what the abbreviation means or what that number does when it goes up You have, like, SHD. Is that S.H.I.E.L.D. or is that, I don't know, should.
0: Because the one thing that will make a child not want to play a video game is by making it math.
1: That's right. Unless it's a video game like uh, Super Solvers where... We watched a speedrun. Oh, that was great. Now, the music of the game was written by uh, U.K. Suji Yoko, who used arrangements from music by Koji Kondo. Suji Yoko had previously worked on the music for the Fire Emblem games and still does the music for the Fire Emblem games. The game, that being Paper Mario, would end up taking about four years to complete it before it was eventually released in Japan in 2000 and in America in 2001 it was also released in china on the iq player in 2004
0: the iq player is kind of an interesting device basically nintendo needed to compete with piracy in china so they released something that looked a lot like a bootleg video game system and like got rid of all of their labeling on it partially so that they could like skirt past chinese law and they sold this thing called the iq player with a handful of officially licensed games. It's kind of a neat little piece of Nintendo history where they tried to combat piracy by becoming pirates themselves. So the sad
1: fact though is that Paper Mario, even though Nintendo went with the best intentions of releasing this game early into the console's life cycle, by the time they actually released it in 2001, the GameCube was already on the horizon.
0: Yeah, it was was one of the later games for the N64, which is like now, tradition right <laughs> and then nintendo's gonna release late stage rpg titles in the mario franchise for their consoles that they intended to release earlier aesthetically the game is set in a 3d world where all the characters appear as 2d cutouts this is often referenced in the game so it's not just like an aesthetic thing it's hard to describe but like when you're watching a cartoon the characters don't really reference the fact that they are in fact cartoon characters so like besides maybe the occasional fourth wall joke in a like a cartoon they're not going to be like hey you you look like you have an outline today (laughs) so in this game they'll actually kind of reference the fact that they are made of paper and there'll be jokes in relation to that fact. So sometimes when Mario uh, gets knocked over, he'll fall over and appear like he's flat against the ground. I think there's another scene where he gets like crumpled up into a ball. Later games would also make this aesthetic also a gameplay mechanic. In Super Paper Mario, you can turn the world in different directions and see objects that would appear invisible to you because they are paper thin and you're looking at them from the wrong angle. The plot of the game is kind of your typical Mario plot. Uh, The game is set where pretty much all Mario games are set in the Mushroom Kingdom. In the game, both Mario and his brother Luigi receive an invitation to join Princess Peach for a party, which she is hosting at her castle. When you arrive there, Bowser steals the entire castle, which is kind of unique for Bowser. Usually he kidnaps the princess. This time he decided to kidnap the castle. Bowser is actually able to overpower Mario because he has a magical weapon that he found called the Star Rod, which grants him invincibility. Mario is tossed from the castle and now must save the Seven Star Spirits who have been locked away by Bowser. Once you release the Seven Star Spirits, they are able to overpower Bowser and you can win. In the game, you encounter various new friends that help you along your mission, such as a Goomba named Goombario, a Koopa Troopa named Cooper, a bob named Bombette, a Paracoopa, who is like a flying Koopa Troopa named Paracarry, a Boo, named Lady Bow. A little Sparky, which are these like weird ball of energy enemies from one of the games. This little Sparky is named Watt. There's also a Cheep Cheep named Sushi and a Lakitu named Lacka Lester. So one thing I like a little bit more than Super Mario RPG about all these characters is that all these characters are pre-established Mario bad guys, but they're good. So like Goombario is a Goomba who lives in the Goomba village with his Goomba friends. And in most Mario games, Goombas are the bad guys. But, like, the Goomba village is filled with just chill Goombas who just want to, like, hang out. And Goombario is, like, your biggest fan. He, that's why he's called Goombario, like, Ario from Mario. Ah, uh, you know. yes.
1: He's, he's like, a Goomba that wants to be Mario.
0: Yeah. um, it, It's just kind of cool that you have these characters who are based on... Pre-established villains fighting alongside you, and like there's still Goombas that are evil in this game, and I forget how they explain it. I think they're just like some Goombas are bad and some Goombas are good. Beyond the the gameplay that you have with Mario, there's also parts of the game where you can control Princess Peach. For these parts, you'll play through mini games as she attempts to escape Bowser's capture. Most of the mini games end with you being captured anyway, but um, there's a couple where you have to like stealth through a part of the castle to find something, different things like that.
1: Now, Paper Mario. Mario would be a successful game on the N64. Sales would be hampered, however, by the release of the GameCube in 2001. Uh, it did sell 1.37 million copies, making it a strong selling title but a weaker selling Mario title and a one of the weaker-selling Paper Mario games. Uh, In fact, its predecessor, its spiritual predecessor, Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars, would go on to sell 2.14 million copies. However, Paper Mario would be successful enough to have Nintendo continue to support it. Even to today, it's being supported. With the 2004 GameCube release of Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door selling, would go on to sell 1.91 million copies. The 2007 Wii release of Super Mario, Super Paper Mario, it would end up selling the most copies of the game. However, as Zach will explain, it wasn't an actual RPG, but it would go on to sell 4.23 million copies. There was a uh, 2012 3DS game, uh, Paper Mario, the Sticker Star, uh, which would go on to sell 2.47 million copies. The 2016 release of the Wii U game, Paper Mario Color Splash, would only sell 870,000 units, which would be... The least amount of Paper Mario sales, and finally we have the 2020 release, Paper Mario: The Origami King, which uh, so far since 2020 has sold 3.12 million copies, which is uh, pretty impressive. Though, as video games have gotten more into the, I don't know, I would say the, like the aether. I don't, I feel like there's far more people playing video games today than there were 20 years ago. Huh and that's addictive in sales. It's very easy or well it appears easy for a game to get millions and millions of copies sold today versus 20 years ago when when Mario Bros was pushing millions of copies. That was impressive. Uh, Now, I would say one of the reasons why they stuck with Paper Mario was because on the N64, it was still pushing 1.37 million copies, which is impressive.
0: And in terms of legacy, as Seth was just describing, despite the fact that Paper Mario was not as successful as Super Mario RPG, it would still leave a lasting legacy and spawned a lasting franchise with that most recent title, The Origami King, releasing in 2020. The first sequel, Thousand Year Door, also plays in a similar RPG style, though other games deviate from this. Super Paper Mario, for example, which came out for the Wii, has a bit more of a platformer type of gameplay and actually doesn't have turn-based combat. There was also a crossover with the Mario and Luigi RPG games called Paper Jam. That's a great name for a Paper Mario game.
1: I, I, I think paper puns are great when it comes to uh, a Paper Mario game. So that's going to be our Paper Mario segment. We're going to move on to the Byway Pass, as I explained to Zach, a game that he might be excited about by waiting or passing on.
0: That sounds good. Do you want to go first? All right. I go first. Oh, you're going to go first.
1: I'll, I'm going to go first. So this game... This game. Is coming out April 5th of 2022. And you will be experiencing something that has not been experienced before in an adventure that is iconic to humanity okay it is are you ready i'm ready lego star wars the skywalker saga
0: yes actually this was a byway pass of mine a while ago perfect we're gonna take a brief break while uh i do a little research but it's definitely gonna be brief and we're back lego star wars the skywalker saga looks like it's going to be a great lego game it is the most recent in the long line of lego star wars games created by travelers tales and is totally impressive looking it has some open world elements has some like space combat elements and it's supposed to take place throughout all nine star wars movies i think also with some rogue one stuff included though i'm not 100 sure i thought i saw a clip of like Lego Darth Vader going down the hallway. It just looks incredibly impressive. It is a likely buy from me and I am happy it's coming out. It's been it I think when we talked about it it was 2020. So, it's been in the works well, for a while.
1: Coming out in 2 weeks or w- well, one week by the time this episode comes out.
0: Hopefully coming out in one week, but it's a likely buy for me. I don't know if it's going to be an instant buy. It seems like a pretty big game, so it might be one of those games that I might wait a little bit just to let any bugs and stuff sort themselves out. But uh, it, I, it is a likely buy for me. I'm very excited about the Lego Star Wars Skywalker saga. I think it's coming to like all major platforms too. So I think it's going to be on Windows, PS5, Xbox. I think there's also a PS4 version that I'm going to try to grab. So
1: There'll be shared split screen too.
0: Ooh, that makes it even more fun. Because that means Seth and I could potentially do a stream of it if we are hanging out.
1: If our listeners don't know. Lego Star Wars has one of the best moments retold as a Lego since in the Lego games the Lego people don't talk however they needed to convey how Darth Vader says Luke I am your father so in the Lego Star Wars games Darth Vader holds up a picture of him as a child.
0: (laughs) Yeah that's a great scene and from what I'm reading in terms of Rogue One stuff um, there's actually going to be DLC packs of Mandalorian Season 1, Mandalorian Season 2, Solo, Star Wars Story, Bad Bad and rogue one and a couple other stuff to mix into the bunch and it looks like you'll have some playable characters like ahsoka boba fett bo katan fennec shand moff gideon so
1: they're just gonna start up the uh the cash machine
0: yeah 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 once disney
1: plus releases a new episode they'll release a new dlc
0: uh seth are you ready for your game i am your game seth is a game that is in a franchise It's actually the most recent game in a fairly, fairly long-running franchise. Unique to this game, though, is that one of the main characters from this franchise is not showing up in this game. Uh, So it's more of like a spinoff of this franchise. It's a game based on a comic book series, um, specifically a DC comic book series. And it's supposed to be an action-adventure game being developed by Rocksteady Studios. Are you interested? Sure. This is Suicide Squad. Kill the Justice League. It is due out... At some point in 2022. We're going to take a break while I look
1: it up. And we're back. Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is, as Zach mentioned, being developed by Rocksteady Studios, which made all of those Arkham games. I've played most of them. I loved Arkham Asylum.
0: Yeah, that's one of my favorite games.
1: It is It is a really, really good game. And I'm pretty sure I really loved Arkham City.
0: That one's also fun. It's very silly.
1: And then it jumps the shark. But I'm willing to give Rocksteady like a chance, again, with Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. It looks fun. I really like the Suicide Squad characters. Actually, like... Part of my out of I'm a Marvel person, but if I was to like things in DC, which I do like things in DC, I primarily like Batman villains. That's my thing, and the Suicide Squad is primarily filled with Batman villains and other villains. I like DC villains. I think DC villains are fun. I like Marvel heroes, but I like DC villains. I think Marvel heroes should fight DC villains. Like that's that's my ideal mixture. Though it doesn't look like you can play as Calendar Man, which makes me sad. I don't think he's on the Suicide uh, Squad. (laughs) I think he should be in the Suicide Squad.
0: I think it's just uh, Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, King Shark.
1: Yeah, I like plays King Shark. That's fine. Anyway, I'm going to put this down as a wait. I like Rocksteady games. Um, I'm going to wait, though, for this game to kind of get some initial reviews, and then I may pick it up. Um, But knowing that it was done by Rocksteady makes me feel more inclined to pick it up, since I click on Rocksteady as a developer in my Steam catalog, and I own everything that they have made except for... Batman Arkham VR. So I apparently like them enough that I own everything that they've made that's on Steam.
0: I have a lot of stuff they made too. I think I just got a bundle with them.
1: Possibly. Yeah. I might have gotten the same bundle. I don't know. I just own everything that they have. So except for Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. So I guess I would, if I was a completionist, I would just buy it anyway. So But I'm going to put it down as a weight.
0: Well, that sounds good. Well... If you out there want to talk to us about your favorite games or maybe you have some memories of Paper Mario that you want to share with us, you can always email us at ClassicGamingBrothers at gmail.com. You can also certainly reach out to us if you have any comments or questions, and who knows, you might have the chance to win a free video game. You can also follow us on social media, our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch, our Classic Gaming Brothers, our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. Uh, beyond that feel free to go to our website classicgamingbrothers.com to listen to our episodes and rate us and review us on all the different podcasting applications out there we're on everything that we know of uh i think that's everything that i have seth do you have anything else that you want to add don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother
1: i've been seth and i've been zach and we've been the classic gaming brothers
0: that's,
1: that's right. Right.